ready to unlock your team's full potential. AIM HR Solutions, rooted in the heart of Massachusetts, brings you tailored coaching and talent development services designed to elevate your business. With our personalized approach, you're not just investing in HR services, you're investing in the growth of yourself and your team. Discover the power of personalized coaching at AIM HR Solutions. Head to aimhrsolutions.com to learn more and start your journey towards success today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Human Solutions. I'm Pete Wright. The number of caregivers in the workplace has increased significantly since the pandemic. Many employees have responsibilities for children, elderly parents, and other loved ones at home. Many employers provide benefits and follow business practices recommended to support employee caregivers. Creating a culture responsive to employees' needs and well-being is vital. This week, AIM EVP of Government Affairs, Brooke Thompson, is going to educate us all on the critical topic and how employers are helping their employees navigate the challenges of caregiving. Brooke Thompson, uh, I'm so glad you are here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Pete. I'm thrilled to be here. This is a tricky conversation. It feels like a, a real blooming onion of cultural uh, uh, cultural challenges that we've been dealing with over generations now. The percentage of women participating in the U.S. labor market in October 2020, the lowest since 1988. In a year, COVID-19 has decimated so much progress uh, in the workforce. And yet here we are. Caregiving has taken on a much more complex definition uh, at home. Can you can you set us up for this conversation? What do we mean when we're talking about caregiver at home, at work, in the context of 2022, you know, America? Sure. No, you hit the nail right on the head. It uh, has never been more complex. And this is an issue that we have been looking at um, since the pandemic began here at AIM. And you pointed out correctly, right, this being a caregiver or the struggles of working plus taking care of family, whether that be minor children or aging parents um, or even perhaps family members with special needs is not new. Right. It certainly was not brought about by the pandemic. But what the pandemic did is it had this colliding of our personal lives and our work lives when we were all forced to leave the office and everything was centered at home. And on top of that, you had a real impact on the industries where typically folks would outsource, if you will, the support they needed for a lot of these caregiving roles. Um, you know, if you're talking about minor children, right, with COVID and the fact that, again, there, there was just not um, either the workers or the families available to go to these centers, which already were understaffed and, and not really meeting the needs of workers in Massachusetts, you had 60% of those programs close overnight um, and at the height of the pandemic in March and April of 2020. Um, same thing for senior care uh, facilities. Again, because this impacted everyone, including the workers who staff those facilities, you saw those resources dwindle. And so 
all of this came home. We were all acutely aware of it. It's very difficult to not be acutely aware when you have children running in the background during a Zoom meeting, right? But then what happened is as we started to move through the phases of COVID where we, and whatever you want to call the phase we're in now, where we you know, tried to go back to work or tried to have some sort of hybrid environment where the workplace changed from home to something outside the home, the, the needs for caregivers has not changed. And so we continue to have this struggle where, uh, if anything, there is a greater demand on uh, people's time with a, with respect to caregiving, but less resources to support them. And so what we've been trying to do at AIM is really talk about what roles can employers play? What policies can they implement to provide support to employees who are struggling with this? I, I think that's, uh, th- that's such a, a- huge question uh, that AIM is trying to answer and trying to be a part of the answer. And I think part of it, as you say, is that uh, I, I think what we got out of the pandemic is a whole sort of class of people who didn't even know they were caregivers until they became caregivers, right? It's it, because we have the traditional challenge of, uh, obviously, we know the story of women in the workplace being culturally driven to the workplace and yet not being men not being driven home at the same race. We already knew that was miserable. And now we have people like, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm one of those people. I didn't know I was going to be a caregiver until COVID took my dad last year. And suddenly now I'm a caregiver of my parents. I didn't see that coming. I think that is it. When you talk about the what the pandemic did as a grand equalizer of caregiving responsibilities across families and classes and cultures, uh, that is resonant. That is absolutely resonant. So let's talk a little bit more about what 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 does AIM do to contribute to that conversation? Certainly. So we were, as many folks were watching sort of the the statistics, right, the impact uh, at the height of the pandemic in early 2020, the impact it was having on workforce, but particularly caregivers. And a lot of that was brought out just again, like I said before, by the fact kids were at home. And so uh, parents had to find an opportunity to watch and in some instances even teach their minor children. Many and then again, we saw, right. as you stated, right, right, yeah. unqualifiedly right. so. I can, <laughs> as a, a parent of uh, two small children, I uh, certainly w- am not nor should ever be in that role again because um, I am in no way qualified. But um, so what we did is we we said, well, what is a, you know, we be, we're very cognizant here at AIM that we want to play a role that is best suited to what we can offer, right? And so certainly as an organization that represents employers, uh, we said, well, let's collect some data on this. Let's look at this. And certainly we were not alone. A lot of folks have looked at the impacts of, if you want to call it the she session or whatever sort of came about where caregivers, and again, um, disproportionately, they are women and people of color, absolutely started leaving the workforce. Um, we, we were tracking it to try to get a sense of, well, what's at play there and how can we maybe help bring some of these folks back as they're juggling these caregiver roles? And that's where our Pink Slip initiative was launched in early 2021. And it was a play on um, certainly, you know, uh, 
old school notions of uh, you get a pink slip when you're leaving the workforce. Uh, a little play on words there with pink and, and the uh, disproportionate impact on women. And so we said, let's look at this and not just gave, gather the data, but then say, OK, based on the data, what can employers do in real time to make changes on the ground? And we started, it, it, you know, at a very, I think, um, small level, like little things saying, well, if you have minor children at home and you're they're on their computer downstairs doing schoolwork and you have to work on your computer upstairs, let's not schedule meetings during times when maybe you have to get them on their equipment. And then when, when children went back into a physical school, again, maybe don't schedule your meetings around the time that you would have to do drop off or pick up. Um, and then we went and looked at other things. Well, if we know caregivers had to perhaps leave the workplace for a little bit to take care of folks, when they want to come back, let's not penalize them by saying, well, you you weren't here for 12 months or 18 months while you were caring for your, your mother who was sick. Um, let's go back and say, well, is that really fair given the totality of the rest of the situation? Can we look and bring those folks back without penalizing them for having to take on these caregiver roles? And so through Pink Slip, we uh, laid out a set of policies that employers could take, sort of a la carte. We understand that every industry is different, right? Um, certainly some industries can implement remote work. Some cannot. Sure. Some industries can implement augmenting meeting times. Some cannot. So we tried to make a really comprehensive list of about 20 different policies employers could look at that could help encourage these folks who are in caregiving roles to still come back into the workplace. So I, I, I hope like myself, people listening to this are thinking how, you know, as in a position of sort of leadership and authority and organization that is in the also in the middle of the pandemic and recovering from pandemic outages, sitting there thinking, how can we possibly implement these kinds of strategies when we really need to keep the light on like they're we're desperate too. how are these policies received over the course of the, the period that you're researching and, and presenting them? I appreciate that question, Pete. It um, We heard really positive feedback. I will. And, um, you know, certainly the struggle is there and we don't minimize it. We one fantastic example of a member uh, business who's been very engaged in our Pink Slip initiative and who took on these implementing these types of policies was um, dependable cleaners. Um, it's a family owned business, Krista Haggerty, who is a fantastic uh, female leader. It's a family business. She took it over. And of course, as you can imagine, it's a dry cleaning business. The majority of her workers uh, happen to be female. They happen to be um, parents of small children. And so if she can't physically get them into a workplace, um, she can't run a business. Now, you couple that with people weren't going into a physical workspace, so people didn't have a demand for dry cleaning the way it was, right? So she was taking uh, catastrophic hits to the bottom line while still trying to manage how she was going to keep a workforce going. And uh, she just you know, sat back and meaningfully said, okay, what can I do? She brought in resources so that if parents had to bring their kids into the workplace, they could sit in the back room, get on a computer, do remote school while they were working in the front. And, you know, she even took steps where if she couldn't get enough staff in because they had to take care of kids or they were sick, then she would put a note on the door that says, today our hours are going to have to be cut short. We have to close at five. And 
that has real world consequences fiscally, right? Yeah. From a bottom line perspective. But when Dependable Cleaners and Krista were looking at this, she was looking at the totality of taking care of her workforce and understanding that this was a phase, but that if she did it right and and really it brought everybody into the fold and had conversations and tried to bring about a policy that would work, they would get past it. Again, fabulous story, but it doesn't work for every business and it doesn't work for every industry. And so as we've been continuing to share these best practices, uh, provide education and continue to collect data through the Pink Slip Initiative, we continue to try to work to see what needs are are there and how we can help provide a best uh, set of policies that will apply to different industries and different geographies. Again, if you're on the Western part of the state, your situation may be very, very different than if your physical place of work is inside Boston. I know you have some more of these recommendations that we want to get to, because I think they're important to make sure that we we at least present them, even if you and I aren't going to litigate them directly point by point. Uh, but I do think it's important that it that we get back to the question, if not now, then at, at, at some point, what the pandemic has taught us about benefits to employees that might stick. And and I know I'm, I might be asking you to read a little bit of a crystal ball, but I'm hearing so many cases right now of organizations across the country that are reevaluating the the perks of of work, right, of coming into work and saying, you know, maybe we don't need 15 cafeterias. But what has the pandemic taught us about what our employees really do need? And are some of these caregiving support resources part of that sort of bouquet of resources that can actually make the workplace better? So. Uh, I, I present all of that to you, and I, I ask you, how would you like to 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 carry that forward in our final sort of points here? Sure. I, I think what employers have to do, I mean, we see it. The number one concern for our members, for businesses as a whole, is lack of workforce right now. Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with everything else that's going on, whether it's inflation or um, you know trade challenges, supply chain supply challenges, chain, sure. it's workforce, right? Yeah. It's getting people, qualified people, into fill positions. And inherent in that is this conversation we're having. Um, again, I think the pandemic just really made employees as a whole uh, it added to the burdens they were facing from a caregiver perspective, and it made them reevaluate what they want from an employment perspective and what they need. So to your point, I think the number one thing all employers can do, regardless of industry or location, is listen to your employees, right? Sit down and have a conversation. Ask how they're feeling, what their needs are. And then, again, try to be flexible. Um, Certainly, there's no one size fits all. And I'm happy to go through just some other policies that that might be something employers can consider. But I would say the number one thing is if you want to have a qualified pool of talent that wants to come and, more importantly, stay uh, and be part of your business. Because again, employers invest a lot of time and money when they bring an employee on board and you want to retain that talent. And so what you're going to have to do is listen to your employers. And I think a big part of that is this ability. We used to call it work-life balance, right? But what it really is, is taking into consideration those demands on time and needs that the employer, the employee has at home and making sure that the employment that they have fosters that, supports it, and makes sure that they're in a place where they can grow and succeed. Well, I love that you- So you, some of the- 
Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. no, I just, I, I just really think this is an important nugget that you just said, and I want to amplify it a little bit. I mean, what it sounds like what you're saying so much is that, you know, I spend most of my day looking for metaphors to help me understand stuff. And and I love this idea of, of uh, you know, a tree that for the last several decades, we've been looking at uh, inflation, like benefits inflation. And those things are shiny and colorful leaves on a tree. But really what we're talking about here are the foundational elements, the roots. What are your roots that are going to really help? It might not be shiny and beautiful, but it's really going to make an impact. And it's going to help, as you say, the employees look at your operation and say, I want to stay here. I want to be a part of, of this because they're going to help me grow. So let yeah, let's, let's dig into a few more of your recommendations. Uh, in addition to some of the ones that I have laid out, mm -hmm. some other really great options that you can look at are committing to providing pay increases and advancement for women and caregivers. Um, rather than p based on their work schedule. So we used to have this term and it, I don't like it. It's called mother's hours. One, because I think it presumes um, only mothers or yeah. caregivers, right? And it, it sets this sort of um, group against another group mentality. But certainly we recognize that in our current world with current demands, particularly on the caregiving side, flexibility in scheduling your employees is something that's really valuable. Again, not every industry can do it, but I do think that if we look at it, um, even for industries like manufacturing in a creative way, there is some flexibility there. And then not penalize those employees who do need that flexibility, particularly if they're getting their job done, they're staying, you're retaining that talent, right? And then you're continuing to build on that sort of investment your employees have within the business itself. Um, you know, again, extending to the extent you can or being flexible around the time workers can take off for sick children or caregiving parents or taking someone that they're caring for to a doctor or, you know, a medical visit, all very important. Um, you know, looking even to your point, Pete, about some of those longer term benefits, if we're looking at tenure, right, or how you're building your longevity within a company, don't penalize employees who may have had to take little snippets here and there to, to meet those caregiving roles. Um, and, and I would say this goes back earlier to what I said about listening to employees. Conduct regular surveys, you know, ask them, check in regularly and see how things are going. Um, you know, that authentic communication at the leadership level down the chain is really, really critical. Um, you know, and, and it's part of not just, again, making sure that you're supporting your employees' caregiving needs. It's their overall emotional and mental well-being. And we know just looking at data that um, with the pandemic and all of the demands that, you know, mental illness and other challenges are at an all time high. And so I, you know, I just really stress through um, AIM and everything we're talking yeah. about that this is really where employers can make a meaningful difference. You uh, you you inspire a question. I uh, feel like part of the stress and anxiety that comes with working in this period in which we live is comes from the uncertainty of not knowing how the organization is going to apply these benefits. You know, can you can you talk a bit to that as a as a strategic sort of uh, uh, initiative for organizations to to help reduce stress and anxiety of their uh, of their workforce? 
Absolutely. I think, again, this comes back to communication, right? Um, regular, honest communication with your employees about what management is thinking as it relates to schedules or benefits is important. Certainly, um, everything is constantly changing. Workforce demands, um, you know, we, we're struggling with certainly, um, you know, still COVID-19, but RSV and other illnesses that are bringing um, people who are immunocompromised, you know, out of school or out of assisted living and needing to be at home. And so having those regular check-ins, you know, whether it's quarterly, if you can, or more often to see what sort of the, the struggles are, and then making sure that you're communicating, hey, this is what we're thinking. Maybe we haven't made a policy change, but we want you to know we're thinking about it. We're soliciting feedback from you, and we will keep you posted. And on top of that, the one thing I really will stress is give employees enough lead time if you are going to change policies so that they can do what they need to do to continue to work. You know, if you're going to make a policy where you're going to bring people back into a physical workplace for a period of time and people have minor children or aging parents, they need to find alternative care if they can to meet the needs. And so, you know, being cognizant of what the employee's timelines are and needing to know that information is really, really critical. And then, you know, even little things like provide them, you know, access to the Calm app or Ginger or some of these other things where maybe you can help reduce the stress a little bit to the extent an employer can that your employees are facing day to day. Yeah, I, I I think that's so important because anything else, these sudden like return to work policies or you're fired kind of policies, and that's not an exaggeration with the kinds of headlines we're seeing right now. Hundred percent. They just come off as as you being a capricious and disconnected sort of team of leadership, and and in so far as you want to reduce stress and anxiety, to your point, uh, being clear and and giving lead time. Uh, it is so important. You know what I'm going to do? We You have such a fantastic list of these recommendations that we have documented here, and we've run through m- many of them. I'm, I'm just going to put a bulleted list in our show notes. Uh, so if you want to review some of these things that Brooke has, has talked about uh, on this show and and maybe some that we've missed, I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. You can just scroll down through your podcast app and, and take a uh, take a quick read. It As we wrap up, Brooke, are there any specific programs in Massachusetts beyond the kinds of programs our listeners are across the country might be looking for to help support them uh, and and their caregiver efforts? Sure. Um, I would say always at a minimum, you know, go, there are EAP programs available through uh, your employer where um, if you're not aware of them, you can certainly go to HR. Uh, These are programs that your employer has purchased Um, They are ways where they will help connect you with supportive services in the community. They're part of your benefits package. They include things like child care, elder care, other resources. Um, You can go to um, the website here locally is uh, macaregivercoalition.org. They also will give you some resources. And then I will say, you know, something that AIM is working on for uh, 2023 and beyond is finding ways through policy, through legislation, through working with our elected officials to give more resources and more um, um, support to a lot of these external 
um, offerings that can help particularly take some of the burden and the stress off the caregivers um, as we continue to try to navigate what is a very uncertain path forward. Are, are there any hot buttons? The people who are listening to this show are, are mostly people who are in HR. And when they're looking at their own EAP programs for their employees, any hot button items you want to make sure that that you're looking for as an HR pro? Sure. I mean, certainly, you know, um, look at anything related uh, on either the elder care or child care front where you can get resources as an employer to either connect your employees, right, or um, uh, find alternatives to sort of bring some of that in-house. I understand it doesn't work for every employer. Um, you know, it's certainly looking at your remote work, right, looking at flexibility of schedules, all of those things. And then just, you know, again, in the, in the vein of open communication, making sure that maybe your employees saw that when they started or were onboarded, you know, a year ago, five years ago, maybe do a refresher, make them aware of it, particularly at a time like this, because it underscores the fact that employers and the folks in the HR department care and are thinking about these things and and are anticipating that their employees probably are too. And so again, it's about that culture of overall well-being. Sure. I, I, I think that's a huge one is looking forward and backward. Children and Elders, because I'm not going to lie to you, Brooke, I have had anxiety dreams where every day is bring your mother to work day and my octogenarian mother just sits on the couch behind me knitting all day long. That's terrifying. We need to take care of them. We also have this generation that's doing it on both sides. You're caring for your aging parents while also uh, raising younger children. children, And it's it's, you know, again, the demands are um, higher than ever before. But I really think that, again, taking it, taking it down to a human level, right? Having those com- that communication, making the employees feel like they can come, they can share what they're struggling with. And again, maybe there's not always going to be a solution that can be done in-house, but that you can work to find alternatives out there for support. Sure. Absolutely. Well, this, this has been a treat. Brooke, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. I don't know why you waited so long to come talk to me on this show. <laughs> Um, but, but I sure we've been we've it. been working we've been working on pig slip but I, oh, I'm happy okay. there <laughs> you go fair. there you go that's a fair um, excuse but thank thank you for having me and I'd love to come back certainly as we continue in 2023 to um, you know expand what we're trying to do in this space outstanding well thank you Brooke thank you everybody for downloading and listening to this show we sure appreciate your time and attention as always you can find links and show notes including that bulleted list of all these wonderful recommendations as part of pink slip in the at aimhrsolutions.com you can listen to the show right there too or subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcasts thanks everybody on behalf of brooke thompson i'm pete wright and we'll see you next week right here on human solutions simplifying hr for people who love hr hr